That music means football's closer than it has been since February. And God bless us, everyone, for that. Football is nearly here. In fact, the coverage starts right here on Sports Radio 810, 57 minutes from now. I'm Joshua Briscoe in with you for the next 57 minutes, 56 and a half. Uh, to get you ready, not only for the game tonight, but mostly to talk about the Chiefs a little bit. Whenever you have a, uh, an open space in airtime, what we're going to do is I'm going to step in and we're going to talk about the Chiefs and would you want it any other way? Uh, I am so excited that we are so close. I, this is the most excited I've been for even like a season opening game that doesn't involve the Chiefs. Maybe ever, and not just because the matchup tonight is really interesting, but because it it signifies the rest of these things to come. And, and last year for the Chiefs was was really exciting for a multitude of reasons. Last year was exciting because it was basically everyone finding out if the hype that they found themselves uh, believing or maybe being a skeptic on for Patrick Mahomes, if the hype was justified. That was the main storyline of last year. Will Patrick Mahomes live up to the trading up to draft him, the trading away of Alex Smith, and then what is he in year one that we can expect, you know, year year two and three and, and years beyond? Obviously, year one as a starter, I mean. Yes, Beers McFly running the board tonight? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. But that was the question at this moment, 365 days ago, the answer was yes. We didn't Actually, know we didn't say that emphatically enough. The answer was, oh my God, yes! The answer was yes, 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 in a way that would potentially be an FCC violation. The most joyful of, of all yes, yes, yeses. Is, is the exact type of um, satisfaction that the entire Chiefs kingdom experienced over the course of last season. The answer was the, cr- the um, sadness and crying of other fan bases. <laughs> the, the answer was the crushing of spirits and opposing kingdoms' castles. It was incredible. But we didn't know that yet last year, though, and that's the thing. That's, I, I want us to look back a little bit as we look ahead tonight. To think about where we were a year ago, we were asking questions that we don't even consider anymore. There were people asking if Patrick Mahomes would be a better quarterback at any point in his career than Alex Smith. Nobody was really asking if Mahomes was an MVP, a good MVP bet, even with the odds he had at this point last year. I like to think that I have been one of the most vocal supporters and even predictors of Alex of, of, of Patrick Mahomes' success since pre the, the pre-draft process. I wasn't hedging my bets. I was listen, I was happy for Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes. But I wasn't bothering with Mitch Trubisky and I wasn't hedging my bets on saying well, either of those guys. I, I said that I thought Patrick Mahomes was going to be the best quarterback out of that first round. And even I I say this not to just pat myself on the back and tell you how great I am. Although I will do that. I looked back at that. I, I looked at that draft and, and going into his first season saying, man, listen, I am a huge believer in Patrick Mahomes. I'm a huge believer in Andy Reid. But somebody tweeted me and said, hey, I just put 100 bucks on Patrick Mahomes at like 3,000 to 1 to win the MVP. It might not have been 3,000 to 1. It might have been plus 3,000. I don't know. 
he bet on Patrick Mahomes, but 100 bucks on Patrick Mahomes last year before this season. And I was like, well, that's probably lighting 100 bucks on fire, but that's fun. I'm glad you did that. I would not have done that. I didn't do that. And I was wrong. Because I, I didn't think that Patrick Mahomes was going to be an MVP candidate, and I thought eventually he probably would be. I didn't think it was going to happen in year one, because that's where we were at this point a year ago. So tonight here on the, not even the eve of the NFL season, that was last night. It's NFL season day, baby. It's NFL miss. There's got to be a better football miss. Thursday night football miss. I don't know. I don't know what we call it. Someone can text us, 913-912-4810. Or you can tweet me, at JB Briscoe. Tonight, it all starts, and we are a world away from where we were in terms of Chiefs analysis at, at this point last season. A world away. The questions now sound so different. Questions are about the defense, and questions are about... Mahomes looking like an MVP for the second consecutive season. And even those questions, I think, are a little bit a little bit manufactured. Where you can talk about regression in terms of a few touchdowns. The idea that there's a year of tape on Patrick Mahomes and the NFL is going to catch up on him is patently absurd. The best one I saw today, I can't remember if it was a Bleacher Report or somebody, but they had predictions for like... MVP winners and all that stuff. And the best one I saw was uh, they were worried about Mahomes' health going into his second year. And that's why they had him not winning MVP. I'll see if I can find that. Because he missed so many games last season? Yeah. That's confusing. It was Bleacher Report. Okay. You want me to read it? Sure. I'd like this. This Uh, seems fun. I think this was from just anonymous inside analysis or whatever. Sure, love that. Uh, my concern for the Chiefs is the health of quarterback Patrick Mahomes. It's hard to overstate how he threw for 50 touchdowns, was exposed so many times to hits and pressures, and didn't get seriously hurt once. Some some of its is scheme and how Andy Reid protects him, but I still worry about him getting hit if he again stays healthy. This is the easy 11 win team. Alright, guy. Thank you for your contributions. Think about where we're at now, though. That was from an NFC team executive. Okay. All right. NFC team executive. Um, Think about even the way that's phrased. If Patrick Mahomes is healthy, they're easily an 11-win team. Yeah, yeah, that's true. If he's healthy, they're probably a 12-win team, maybe a 13-win team. I could see him win 14. I think there's a really good chance they're favored in 14 games this year. We're not talking about playoffs or wild cards or... Patrick Mahomes proving that he deserves this spotlight and this trust. We're talking about... I mean, right now on my TV screen, there's Super Bowl probabilities from Sportsline, and the Chiefs are first, Patriots are second, Saints are third. I'm guessing the Eagles are fourth. I don't know. Either the Eagles in there, if I wanted to give you two teams from each conference. And the Chiefs are in that group. And it's not as an outsider, and it's not even as an underdog. Maybe slightly, but not really. They're in that group. As a team that is expected to be in the AFC Championship game, and once you get there, I think you have a very good chance of of talking yourself into the Chiefs winning that game on their second attempt against the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. And it's not with all of the hedged bets of if everything goes right for Alex Smith. No, it's it's even if things go wrong, Patrick Mahomes can can overcome. 
So one of the things out at practice yesterday, we, I didn't pull the audio for this for tonight's show. Um, and by the way, in about 10 minutes, we're going to have, we don't have enough people for a round table today, but we're going to have a triangle table with me, Nate Bucati, and Seren Petra. We're going to get them on the phone and, and have that conversation. Eventually, we'll talk about the Raiders because, oh my God. <laughs> we will eventually chat about that. Wait, hold on. Beard just gave me breaking news from Rappaport. Um, oh my goodness, I didn't even see this. We were moving Oakland in. Oakland plans to either suspend AB or have him inactive for the opener. Quote, he will likely stay away from the team. Unbelievable. Uh, shout out to Rudy who alerted me to that. All right. Thank you, Rudy. So that experiment's not gone great for Oakland. Um, if they suspend him, that undercuts all of his guaranteed money, and they could literally cut him before week one, and and it would cost him no money. It would cost him the draft picks, and then he would probably go to the Patriots and catch uh, passes for about 1,200 yards this year. But, you know. Beards just acted out while eating a chicken strip from Slim Chickens, who, by the way, brought food by today. And oh, I, oh my goodness, Thank I love you. Slim Chickens so much. Uh, he just basically acted out the Elmo fire gif, arms outstretched, with, with, staring at the sky. With a half-eaten chicken strip in one hand. It was honestly, it was the most comfortable I've ever seen you in your own skin, Beards. You looked so at peace. That whole thing is hilarious. But do you see how we even were doing this now? To talk about the Chiefs, we're looking at the flaws of the other teams around the division. Not because we have to, but because it's funny. We're looking around pointing and giggling because it's hilarious. And because it, it, it feels... It, you know who else does that? The Patriots do that. Because the Bills are always a joke, and the Jets are always a joke, and the Dolphins are always a joke. So whenever you say, hey, go talk about the Patriots and their chances this year, the regular season becomes it becomes a foregone conclusion. And to, to tip my hand a little bit for the, the Jags-based conversation we'll have throughout tonight, and then also throughout our uh, enormous pregame show and a and number of pregame shows, I guess it's like 13 hours or something of pregame, um, you'll hear me say this then, you'll hear me say this tonight, you'll hear me say this. Uh, after the Chiefs went on the postgame show. I'm not that worried about the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm just not, man. I'm just not. Another piece of sound we don't have. We're going to play a, a, my favorite piece of sound from the day. We, we will bring you momentarily. But Tyron Matthew was asked about Nick Foles and said, he's a good quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback. And that's what we were talking about last night on Almost Entirely Sports. Um, Nick Foles, is, a, is a, I think he's a good quarterback. Yeah. That's fine. The Chiefs don't have a good quarterback anymore. They don't have a pretty good quarterback under center. They have the MVP. And if you go, man, listen, I, you're, everything you're saying is true. I just don't know how to react to that. I just don't know how to handle that in this moment. That's okay. Because neither do I. Neither do any of us. This is new. And if you're going to find the places where this team misses, it's on the defensive side of the ball. And I will say that I was I was relatively happy whenever the Chiefs signed uh, and brought in Steve Spagnuolo because, he, one, because he wasn't Bob Sutton. That matters. But also because he's an established NFL defensive coordinator and he has had his misses. He's not a slam dunk, but I'm optimistic. Listen to this thing that Steve Spagnuolo said out at, at Chiefs practice today. Um... I have been made increasingly grateful for his existence because he's the most interesting of the coordinators to talk to. And I also continually hear about his philosophy as a defensive coordinator in the NFL. 
And I, I might be biased because he's just saying things that sound very opposite to things Bob Sutton would say. But listen to him talk about how communication works throughout this defense and why it's so important and where it's important for this defense. Listen, we preach snap to the whistle, right? Going hard, being relentless. To me, from whistle to snap is just as important. You know, teams are going to huddle and, you know, me getting it to them, them getting it to, you know, the whole thing. That's really, really important, especially in this game. We play in the NFL now um, with the stresses that the offense puts on you with substitutions, with the no huddles and different tempos. Um, and we haven't seen a lot of that. We've talked a lot about it. We've been, been working on it as best we can. I mean, our offense is not a no huddle team. So every day you're in a huddle. That's opposite. When New York, uh, Ben was always no huddle. We've practiced the whole thing, no huddle. And there's plus and minuses to both. Um, it's just when you go into a game and you haven't worked it, it takes a little while to get used to. So hopefully the guys will, will step up. The stuff about the speed and the tempo and everything is interesting. But the idea of communicating until the whistle, from snap to whistle, and, and, and reacting in there and everything is interesting. But the idea of the communication between whistle and the next snap, it, it hits especially hard for me because that was something the Chiefs got an absolute F at last year. Just a failing grade. The communication was always all over the place. It seemed like everyone was confused. Spagnuolo also talked about um, uh, Anthony Hitchens and, and how important he is at the Mike linebacker spot. So obviously that's where he's going to be. And and the fact that he's always studying and everything like that. Um, that's important. All of this communication stuff is important. We heard from Hitchens during mini camps talk about how now he can watch film without a coordinator over his shoulder, like decoding stuff for him, or a coach over his shoulder decoding stuff for him. I I think that it's fair to say at this point that Steve Spagnuolo, maybe as much as anything else, his core philosophy is that we must be able to communicate in this defense. It is deeply important that we successfully do that. And if they can, I think they will be good. Maybe not elite, and maybe not even great, and maybe not top 10, but good. A, a net positive defense. When last year, a net neutral defense, or even a lesser, a less negative defense, probably wins this team a Super Bowl. Unless you believe, for some reasons that I don't understand, that last year was a fluke for this offense. Unless you believe that. I don't know how you could be anything other than unbelievably optimistic with the NFL season starting tonight that the Chiefs are going to be one of the powerhouses and maybe the dominant powerhouse and the overwhelming favorite. That is on the table for this team. And I kind of think they get there. All right, the game starts here in uh, about 40 minutes right here on Sports Radio 810. Thursday night football kicking off the season Bears and Packers, make your fantasy moves now or, I mean, never if you don't have Packers and Bears players. You don't have to really worry about it, I guess. But if you got anybody there, go make your fantasy moves right now. Stick around here on Sports Radio 810, and we will uh, we will continue to get you ready for the NFL season. Most of talking Chiefs. We'll have our roundtable with Sren Petro and Nate Bucati whenever we come back. Kansas City's hometown sports station, Sports Radio 810 WHB.
Welcome back into a Chiefs season preview special here on Sports Radio 810. Your appetizer for the Thursday night football game coming up here in just a little bit over 30 minutes. The coverage begins a little over 30 minutes here on 810 Bears and Packers kicking off the season. I'm Josh Briscoe with you up until that point. Joined now by both Nate Bucati of the Border Patrol and Seren Petro of the program. It's not quite a round table, guys. It's a triangle table, but I appreciate you both being here anyway. As long as it's a polygon, I'm in. I think, is how many sides does a polygon have to have? I think it just has to have multiple sides. Well, then welcome to the polygon table, friends. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about a, a couple different things right now, the guys. Way, we, have just, we have just maxed out my geometry knowledge right there. So, yeah, uh, well, listen, it clearly was more both in confidence and in content than I had. <laughs> um, let's go with some of the things right now going on. The news has come down that apparently Antonio Brown will not be playing with the Raiders in week one. Not official if it's a report or not yet, but Ian Rappaport says they're not playing on having him in week one. Uh, Saran, you haven't set, shared any geometry knowledge yet so what do you think about that breaking news well first of all uh, i like the triangle uh, it's a much better uh, <laughs> choice on that one so put me down for triangle uh and, and you know I, as far as antonio brown i mean you know I, I, every sports talk fan he likes to say i told you so right whether right. they did or didn't after the fact but I'm, I'm, I'm going down this road i told you so i mean yeah. who didn't see this coming apparently only john gruden mike mayock and mark davis the owner of the raiders are the only ones that didn't see this coming Guys that are out of control divas don't suddenly get better. They, they don't buy in, especially after reward them with an additional $30 million. Um, so, I mean, to me, this is what was to be expected. It's what we, I think most of us, sane people, thought would happen. And, you know, I, I think it's hysterical. And I think it's a sign that, you know, they had a guy in Khalil Mack that they could have paid and have a devastating pass rusher. They let him go. It blew up in their face. They looked stupid. They knew they looked stupid. Mm-hmm. And so they tried to circle the wagons and get a dynamic player back. And, uh, you know, they got damaged goods. So uh, I think it's hysterical, and I think it shows that the Raiders are still years away, at least two, uh, from being a serious contender to the Chiefs. Nate, what was the funniest part to you from the stories that we heard today? I'd like to go ahead and nominate Vontaze Perfect <laughs> uh, as Peacemaker being my favorite part. Right. The man who once knocked out Antonio Brown and yes. then got knocked out by Schuster then stepped in front of Antonio Brown to keep him apparently from knocking out Mike Mayock. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, life comes full, full circle sometimes. Uh, yeah. uh, but, you know, to back up to Rand's point, I mean, I think that the first thing that any coach has to do in any program, and we've seen some great coaches here in Kansas City, whether it be Andy Reid, Dick Vermeer, Bill Snyder, uh, Peter Vermees, going down the line, the first thing that they say you have to do is establish a culture, and you don't get a second opportunity to do that. And it looked like that's what John Gruden was deciding to do right off the bat when he decided to trade away all of his best players and build through the draft. He was going to make sure that everybody knew that he was the top dog there and that uh, it, you know he, he had the license to lose games right away. And he was going to set the culture and bring in the guys that he wanted then he turns around the very next year and brings in the possibly the worst culture fit he could have yeah. in, in the entire NFL to ruin everything. And um, it's like Seren said, they, they abandoned the plan before they even gave themselves a chance to stick through it. And um, I think they're gonna, you know, they're gonna reap what they sow in that regard. 
Sarin, what about the rest of the AFC West at the moment? Like, it's a crazy place to be. We're talking about this last segment. Like, the Chiefs feel like they're in a very patriot position right now, or they are an overwhelming favorite in a division that can't stop shooting itself in the foot. The Chargers are looking like they're not going to have Melvin Gordon. Uh, And the Broncos, I've just sort of forgotten about at this point. Yeah, well, and, and, well, first of all, let's address, is Nate's phone in his pocket, or is that just <laughs> how I hear it? I mean, Nate, if you could it's... go ahead and take your phone out of your pocket and talk into it, I don't know about any of the listeners, but I would appreciate it. I'll say Beards um, made a face while Nate was, during one I, I point I literally in took my phone off of speaker, and I'm holding it to my ear, and Seren sounds to me like he's in his pocket, so I don't know what's going on here. Oh, uh, okay. All right, all right. So it's just... <laughs> It's just our high-end technology of when we conference yeah. people in. Right. Stunning uh, that that would be the case. This technology uh, hasn't improved since the 80s, somehow. Everything else has, yeah. but phone calls have not. Yes, exactly. Well, if they have, we missed it because our phones are from the 80s. Um, all right, uh, listen, as far as the AFC West goes, though, you know, I think that's uh, you know a valid point. You know, you're making the Patriot comparison. I, I think they're down that road. I don't think they're all the way there. Now, maybe the dynamics of the AFC East will change if, you know, suddenly Josh Allen or or uh, uh, the Sam kids, Darnold, yeah, yeah, Sam Darnold uh, turn the corner and become a Philip Rivers caliber quarterback. But mm-hmm. I think anytime a team has got Philip Rivers, I wouldn't say we're you know in Kansas City as clear as the New England Patriots are. Agreed. But I, I think your point, I think your point's a good one, though. I mean, I, I think you know it's it's on that it's on that track because throw in in addition to Melvin Gordon being out, you got Russell Kung with health injuries, you got mm-hmm. Derwin James down. They always seem to be hurt for. Whatever the reason is, and that's happening again for them. They just cannot stay healthy and, and cannot put together a, a full squad. And, you know, so, and I think they're by far the, the biggest challenger. I wouldn't put a, uh, a you know, a last gasp defensive uh, revival uh, from the Broncos when you've got two really good edge pass rushers and a really good cover corner. That's a pretty good place to start. The Broncos have that. So if they get the defense, I think Joe Flacco can play game manager. And maybe the Broncos can, you know, be healthy, get it, get some breaks in the schedule, and play their way up to where they're a contender with the Chiefs. But really, they should even be a, a notch below the Chargers. So yes, I, I think Chiefs fans should be even more confident, and I think there should be a feeling of some pressure uh, at One Arrowhead Drive that they should absolutely take this division down for a fourth consecutive year. Nate, if you think that that's generally on the right track, I like the idea of there being some pressure at Arrowhead. The, the Patriots sort of transcend pressure at this point, and the Chiefs just simply haven't done it, done it enough. You know, they've done it for one season with Patrick Mahomes. They haven't done it enough to be at a point of transcending pressure yet. How much would you have to see before you felt like they might be following suit in that regard also? Well, they have won the division three times in a row, and I think the right. division has been much tougher than the East in those three years. Um, and I'll point out that even when they won the division last year, the uh, Chargers tied with them for the best record in the AFC. So mm-hmm. I don't put this AFC in the same com- you know, conversation as the East. Because even with those injuries, I mean, hey, the, the Chiefs had injuries last year, and they were still able to, to win the West. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think that San Diego is no, no team to, to turn your nose up at. Um, but I do think that, look, for the, for the, the pressure for the Chiefs, to me, is beyond winning the division. It's going to the Super Bowl, man. Um, this team has knocked down the other doors that have stood in the way of, of our lifetime as Chiefs fans. They finally won a playoff game a couple of years ago. They finally won a home playoff game last year. They finally hosted an AFC championship game. And like it or not, fair or unfair, those are the expectations now. Like That's the minimum. You're yeah. supposed to go get to the Super Bowl this year. And I know it's crazy to say this. I know it's a ridiculously high expectation. But for me, 
anything less than making the Super Bowl this year is a disappointment for this team. That's the first time in my life I've ever said that, mm-hmm. and, and I believe it. Uh, let's talk about the the game here in week one a little bit because I do think we're looking big picture because of those expectations. Nate, I, I think that looking uh, a little bit past the first couple of games against a couple of well, I guess an okay team here, and then we'll find out about week two in a minute, I suppose. Um, but I, I think I'm finding myself looking ahead a little bit because my expectations are so high. Like I, I look ahead out of excitement, but this game in week one is going to be really interesting. It's a really fast, really talented defense going up against a really fast, really talented offense. Whenever the Chiefs' offense is on the field, and then a bunch of question marks whenever the Jags offense and Chiefs defense is on the field. So, Seren, what do you think is the most interesting thing from this game coming up on Sunday? Well, I think it's Chiefs defense against Jags offense. Mm-hmm. I know uh, you, you mentioned it, the marquee matchup is when the other units are on the field, but I, I think if the Chiefs are going to be the Super Bowl team, and I agree with Nate, I mean, I think that is, you know, we're talking about disappointment, not like, well, will you fire everybody? Right. No, you right. won't fire everybody if they don't get to the Super Bowl, but I, I think that's where they are as a franchise, and that's really going to be where they're at for as long as they have Patrick Mahomes in a in a quality salary cap position, I think that that'll be the expectation every year. I, I, I you know, and so it starts with Jacksonville, and it starts with a team that I think played them much closer than the final score indicates. If you don't have four interceptions thrown by Blake Bortles, I think that was a game that Jacksonville uh, could have stolen. I'm not saying that the Chiefs got lucky in that game. Not mm-hmm. at all. They created the turnovers, but you know, if you take turnovers out and you say, okay, where's this game sit right now? You know, I know Nate was talking about it today. It's been like, you know, all last season nobody held them under 25 points. Well, they only had 23 offensive points against the Jaguars last year because seven of them came on a Chris Jones pick six. So mm-hmm. the Jags did a really good job. The Chiefs finally wore them down late and uh, and pulled away from that game. And I think in Jacksonville, uh, on a hot day, I don't think you expect them to wear down, and I don't expect Nick Foles to throw four interceptions. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be a tougher game now. I do still think the Chiefs can pull away late. I think the heat will affect. I don't care if you live in Jacksonville or Kansas City. It's hot and humid here as well. So I don't think it's a it's a, an advantage necessarily for the Jags because of where they're from as much as it might be because of depth. And I think the Chiefs' defense is what you got to worry about. You know, if, if they have depth and they're not very good, right? Yeah. And, and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm scratching my head about – what this linebacking core is going to look like. Uh, I, I kind of like the matchup. I do think part of the reason the interceptions were thrown is the Chiefs' defense matches up well with the Jags' offense because there isn't high-powered receivers. Their the running back is more of a bulldozer and not a guy that's going to get out into the patterns and mm-hmm. force this uh, bad coverage linebacking unit to cover anyone. So I think they're going to have a better day than maybe they will against other teams that can present other challenges uh, for them. But uh, you know, I, I think that's the one that we're really looking at because if it's going to be a Super Bowl year, this defense has got to step up, and this is a, a Jacksonville team that got better offensively, but still I don't think anyone thinks it's going to be one of the top offenses in football, so this defense needs to have a good day against Jacksonville on Sunday. Nate, are you uh, looking at the defense under a microscope, or are you distracted by the big shiny thing on the offensive side, which is, I think, still where I'm falling? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a, you know, a juvenile at heart, so yeah, the big shiny <laughs> story is what, uh, what distracts me. But yeah. I'll back up, you know, as much as I hate to agree with anything Seren says, I'm right. kidding. Um, yeah, you guys hate I, each I other. People up. don't know that. You guys hate each other. I'm glad we could bring that out but, now. But, but, you know, the point that he made about them holding the Chiefs to 23 points offensively, I can't imagine. I don't, I'd have to go back and look, but did anybody else hold Patrick Mahomes without a touchdown pass? No. All of last year? Nope, it was just so, the Jags. Yeah, so they did, the, they did as, as good of a job as anyone in the NFL at slowing down the Chiefs juggernaut of an offense last year. So I'm going to be very curious to see, does Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, do they 
uh, have a solution to that this year? Do they make adjustments like they typically do in the second half of games when teams do find a way to slow them down for a little bit? Mm-hmm. Or do the Jags have something in them to kind of have the number of the Chiefs a little bit? Um, because my feeling is that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes will go back and look at the tape from last year. They're going to be a year better in the offense, and they're going to come out and they're going to hit the Jags in the mouth offensively right off the bat. But I'm going to be very interested to see if that happens. So that's kind of the main thing that I'm looking at, that shiny offense going to jump right out of the gate like it did in uh, 2018. I, I don't, I, other than Bill Belichick, I don't tend to think of anybody as having Andy Reid's number for very long. Um, and I, I don't think I buy that from Doug Marone. So I, I tend to be optimistic in that regard as well. But um, I don't know. Seren, is there anybody else that you can think of that, that may have been a candidate for beating Andy Reid a few times, not named Bill Belichick? No, not really. Uh, I'm with you. I think Belichick's the one guy. Mike Tomlin, I guess, uh, hmm. yeah. a little bit longer. Steelers had had their number, and I think that was a little bit, um, you know, uh, I think that had a little bit more to do maybe with uh, physicality. I, I do think Pittsburgh's a more physical team, and, and I think that was part of the equation. I think the other part of the equation is they just had the better quarterback. I mean, mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin's a good football coach, and Ben Roethlisberger was a better quarterback, and so they, they could take it to the Chiefs. But now that that, that advantage is, is now neutralized. I mean, the Chiefs are as good or better than anybody they play at quarterback, you know, maybe Aaron Rodgers and the Packers will have something to say that day uh, when, when they play, but uh, you know, I don't think we're ready to say Matt LaFleur, I'm not anyway, is Andy Reid's equal, so mm-hmm. no, I think the Patriots are the team, and I think we saw that you know, the Chiefs were good enough to beat them on either one of those days, I, I think it'll be important for Reid, but I also think Mahomes to be better in the first half, I think you know, part of what New England did in those first halves was take advantage of some of the inexperience of Patrick Mahomes, and I think it took him a little while to adjust. I don't know we talked about him readjusting, but uh, I think Mahomes had to adjust as well, and I think he'll be better equipped to do that. And I don't think Jacksonville can do it. It's one of the reasons why I, I do like the Chiefs in the game. I'm picking the Chiefs like 30-20 to 20 in the game because I, I think part of Jacksonville's success was they had better personnel than anybody who had come at the Chiefs to that point last year. Uh, they were hungry. They were backs against the wall kind of situation. They knew they had to have the game. And they had film on you know, a, a quarterback that had, what, five games, six games mm-hmm. under his belt to that point. They threw some things that, that he hadn't seen and, and really tempted him into trying to make some bigger plays than he really could. And, and that's where they got him on the interceptions. I mean, they were legit. It wasn't you know, like a couple of those Rams ones where he was being hit as he threw uh, that created the interception. They were legit interceptions. Uh, he's now got more experience. They don't have tape on whatever new wrinkles Andy Reid going to try to add to this offense and so I do think I do expect the offense to be better uh, in this game than they were in the game last year. Before I let you guys go I, I do want to spend another minute on Nick Foles. You, you brought him up you've talked about the quarterback matchup and I think it, it almost couldn't be said more concisely that the Chiefs have a, a quarterback advantage or at least play even at that position with everybody they're going to play probably for the next decade and damn that's exciting. Um, but Nate we'll start with you this time. What do you what do you think of with Nick Foles? How would you handicap the the uh, the the Jags quarterback position with Foles being there stepping in for Blake Bortles. I think it's a lot better than it was last year with Blake Bortles. Um, I think they have some receivers they like to throw to. Um, I think that he likes to throw to his tight end a lot, and I don't love their tight end position. But I'm going to be interested to see that matchup against what I think is a sub you know par linebacking core of the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. You complement him with what is supposedly a back and form Leonard Fournette. 
and you know, and at least three decent receivers for him to throw to. I do think they're going to test a, a subpar linebacking and, and defensive back core of the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm actually I, I I'm probably going to have this thrown back in my face if I get proven wrong, but I'm I'm going against the grain with a lot of people that think this is going to be a low scoring game. I picked it to be 34-27 in favor of the Chiefs because still not sold on the Chiefs' defense overall, and I think Bulls is good enough to put up some points against them. Uh, Serena, you obviously gave us your score prediction already, and it, it's not as high scoring, but how do you make sense of Nick Foles? Well, I, I think, you know, first of all, you know, I'm on the record. I think he's you know has the high inside that's significantly better than Alex Smith, and I think the Chiefs would have been wise to go down that road. I think they kept Alex Smith simply because they felt like he was a better tuner to Patrick Mahomes, so I think he's a guy that can play at a higher level than Alex Smith ever did. Uh, I think on his best days, he can play up at a Patrick Mahomes level. I mean, he shot it out, literally a shootout, in the Super Bowl, Mm -hmm. all kinds of pressure, Mm -hmm. uh, with Tom Brady, and so I I think the guy is capable of of standing out there and, and, you know, taking the game right back to the Kansas City Chiefs. I think his Eagles personnel was good. I don't think it was spectacular, and yet he was able to race up and down the field with the uh, New England Patriots. Uh, I definitely think his Eagles personnel was better than the personnel he's got in Jacksonville. And I think the mindset of his coach was better. Look, I like Doug Marone. He's a Syracuse guy. I think he's a better football coach than he's given credit for, but I think he is still stuck a little bit in that let's pound the run. Now, that being said, I know they tried to improve the offensive line, and Leonard Fournette is a guy you can pound away with. And if they're able to be successful running the ball, uh, and force the Chiefs to play from behind, and they're stalling out the clock, and they're leaving the offense on the sidelines. And uh, you know, there's a path to victory there uh, by creating some turnovers and taking care of the ball themselves. But uh, I, I don't know that Nick Foles is the kind of quarterback you want to try to play that game with. I think that's Alex Smith's game, and so I don't know if he can handle that, or if he won't be a, a caged animal, you know, looking to uh, climb the walls and try to make a big play because he's tired of just handing off. So uh, look, you get the hot. Guys, I really appreciate it, even though towards the end it sounded like Seren stole Nate's phone and we had the whole argument about triangles and polygons. <laughs> All of that notwithstanding, thank you both very much for making some time for us. This is definitely Always my pleasure, man. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I didn't direct that to either one of you in particular, so you both said something. That's, that, make, that makes sense. You're both hosts. <laughs> okay, thank you. Now, Beards, turn off the phones. Hang up on them. We're getting you ready for Chiefs Jacks here on Sports Radio 810. Uh, really good stuff for both of them. Unsurprising. I don't know why I sounded surprised when I said that, but that's fun. I like a triangle table. Basically, any table that's a polygon, I'm I'm ready for. I'm Josh Briscoe. We're on Sports Radio 810. The most powerful sports station in America has a home in Kansas City. This is Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back in to the Sports Radio 810 Chiefs special season kickoff preview show. That's not an official title. Just came up with it. Don't know if you could tell or not. That's off the cuff. I'm Josh Briscoe. Thanks again to Seren Petro and Nate Bucati for joining us here tonight. Um, really enjoyed talking to both of them at the same time. That's fun. 
And uh, there were a few things in there that I, I actually would like to expand on a little bit um, now that we got those gas bags out of the way. Uh, Sarin brought up the point. Their car phones. <laughs> those gas bags in their car phones. And not even like their Bluetooth in their car. Like a like a phone in a bag in a car. Yeah. he's Sarin was right, You open though. up the glove box and there it is. Just right. Just sitting there. No, Sarin was right. Hardwired in. I believe both of them are, are calling on relatively new iPhones. In fact, I know they are because I texted them. They're, those texts are blue. Um, I what Beards, what do you think it is? Do you think it's the, the two supercomputers in their pockets or this uh, corded phone that they connect to? I Googled the brand name here. Well, and I mean, I found... there's also the actual phone receiver back here. Uh, right. That's also a good point. Yeah. Um, I Googled that during the commercial break, and I found the brand is still active. What, Telos? Yes. But uh, the model that we have here it appears to be no longer available, which makes Did sense. Did Da Vinci make it? <laughs> because Da Vinci made it. This is actually an Alexander Graham Bell original, believe it or not. That might be the most useful, like, an American history class has ever been to me on the radio. Like, as far as, like, a, remembering a specific name. Like, Alexander Graham Bell is just one of those names you have just bashed into your brain throughout your entire childhood. And I remembered it just now when I actually needed it. Thanks, Mom. Um, I was homeschooled, so my mom was was the one telling me about Alexander Graham Bell, at least for a while in there. Um, the First of all, update again. Apparently the Raiders don't expect to have Antonio Brown week one. Not clear yet if it's a suspension or what exactly it is that's going on there, but apparently they don't expect to have him. Here's a thing that I, I saw on Twitter from actual like actual reporters. I'm not saying this. I saw this on Twitter from some dude, but I don't have the tweet up in front of me. I, I sort of boiled it down to, to, to make this clear. If the Raiders were to officially suspend Antonio Brown, that would void essentially his $30 million guaranteed dollars in this contract. Suspensions typically do that, I suppose. Um, also, Jason Lockenflora has tweeted that he believes that the Chiefs are working very imminently on a Tyree Kill extension. Um, you can take that for whatever you will. If you have time tonight, we'll get to that. But if the Raiders were to suspend Antonio Brown apparently in his contract, doesn't have any offsets to keep that from voiding his deal. That would essentially void his contract. And so it would make the the, the Raiders able to release him before week one. If he's active week one, one of the main NFL reporters was saying that then his his 2019 salary is guaranteed if he's on the active roster in week one. But if, if they were to suspend and release him before week one, they could cut him for no financial loss. The draft picks would still have been a loss, and it still looks horrendous for the Oakland Raiders. Um, And I will say, like, everyone thought that there was volatility in here. I would be lying if I told you I thought in one offseason Antonio Brown was going to have a blonde mustache and then burn off the bottoms of his feet in a cryogenic chamber and then nearly retire... In France, and then nearly retire over uh, having to wear a helmet that he doesn't like, and then not show up to practice for unrelated reasons, and then nearly get into a physical altercation with Mike Mayock. And have to be held back by Vontez Perfect. I would also like to add, to nearly get into a physical altercation with Raiders general manager 
Mike Mayock, which as of a few months ago was a wild sentence to think about on its own. Like, that's that's crazy. All of that is nuts. I didn't see all of that coming. And I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody possibly could say they did. I think you could have said, I smell, I smell sulfur. Uh, but the the explosion that has come this offseason for the Raiders is almost beyond fiction. Like, I don't know if, if you were, if this was an episode of Ballers, I think somebody would be like, all right, all right, Dwayne. All right, Mr. Johnson. I You can't. This is too. This is too ridiculous. The feet and the helmet and the fight. Come on, and for the guy that they just brought in, and that mustache, really? With that mustache and his hair. All right, Mister Dwayne. Okay, Mister The Rock. And the guy that can customs, the one that's having to hold him back. What is this? And Richie Incognito is not involved in any way in this scandal. Come on. Uh, you know what? I'm they sort didn't of cut him. <laughs> right, that's sort of like that's part of it. Um, I also saw somebody talking about the fact that I mean, Mike Mike, Mike Mayock hasn't done this before. Like Gruden was a coach, then TV guy, then coach again. Mike Mayock hasn't had this kind of power before, and it it almost seems like Gruden, who is the dude with the power here. Make no mistake, Mike Mayock is the general manager, but John Gruden is the dude here. It seems kind of like John Gruden was at least dealing with Antonio Brown in a way that Antonio Brown preferred, which whenever you bring in a talent like that and you pay him like this and you and you, you send the draft picks and all of that, you need that dude to be on your side. It seems like there's a little good cop, bad cop kind of thing going on with, uh, with John Gruden and Mike Mayock regarding Antonio Brown, and... Antonio Brown's fighting with the bad cop, and I I don't know. Maybe they shouldn't have fined him. Like I, you can say, oh, but he broke the rules, and he he totally did. But you're in on Antonio Brown. Like you're gonna have to be prepared to 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 change the rules a little bit for that guy. You should have known that whenever he came in. Like I think that the uh, the Patriots, if by the way, if the Raiders cut him, the Patriots are gonna pick up Antonio Brown in two point seven seconds. And he's going to go for 1,000 yards for them this year. Are we sure, though? Yes. Like, everybody says that, but are we sure? They brought in Josh Gordon. And then he got to spend it again, they brought him back again. Josh Gordon is going to lead this team in catches right now. Well, him and Edelman. And right now, that offense is Edelman. Nikhil Harry went to IR. He could return still. But, like, yes. Yes. And if they don't, it would be also telling. But, but Bill Belichick's not afraid of a diva receiver. And man, if this is like this level though. No, because you're right, because this is pretty wild. Like if this isn't this isn't OBJ or even like Randy Moss, probably like TM. The Raiders are going from still. trading for him to cutting him potentially in three months. Uh huh. No, listen, it's bat bleep crazy. But I just think another team having a bat bleep crazy situation is the thing that Bill Belichick lives for. I, I don't know. Or or he'll go to Cleveland. John Dorsey or Bill Belichick will bring in Antonio Brown. Oh, can you imagine Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, and Jarvis Landry on the same team? I've already talked myself into it. And with a backfield, Nick Chubb, and then eventually Kareem Hunt? Oh, poor Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens is going to get eaten alive. He might get eaten alive anyway. But especially now, my goodness. Wow, imagine that. Oof, my 
I'm afraid now for him and his family. Jets. I hope it's the Jets. The Jets would also be very it would be good. funny. Um, so uh, the thing that I thought outside of that that was interesting, one of the things from a conversation with, uh, with with Nate and Sarin, Sarin brought up the depth of the Chiefs' defense and the importance of that because it's it, it, not just because it's in Jacksonville, but it's hot because you're playing a game in basically August. Like it's not anymore, but it still feels like it. And you're playing in a hot climate and everything like that. And you're going to be rotating guys through. And that Jags defense is wild deep. Like I said multiple times uh, multiple times last year that the, the Jacksonville Jaguars had two starting defenses and no starting offense. And I I feel like I was right on that one. Um, the, the Jags do have a very deep defense still. And the Chiefs don't. In fact... They're carrying four and a half cornerbacks, essentially. As of right now, the cornerbacks on the roster are the three starters, Fuller, Breland, and Ward. And then Rashad, Rashad Fenton, who is not an NFL quarterback at the, a cornerback at the moment. He might be eventually, but he's not right now. And then you see on the newest depth chart, they moved Traymond Smith back to corner which is not what you want. He's here to be a gunner on the special teams, but he might have to play. Uh, Cesar Agnolo actually talked about the uh, the cornerback group out at Chiefs practice today, and he's sound. He's putting on a strong face, is what I'll say. Well, I, I think what uh, what Andy and, and Brett would tell you is we try to keep the best fifty three, and uh, they those guys grind away at finding that, and it happened to be end up being four. Um, it feels light, and yet um, it's happened before. I mean, by the time you get to the 46, it's sometimes it's four, and then you got to get somebody to cross-train, but we'll work our way through it. Traymond Smith is the guy that can, can cross-train, as he says, but it is really light, and they're going to end up with Mo Claiborne in, in, in four weeks, and at this point, I don't really expect them to make another big move unless some team starts losing, maybe, and says, all right, fire sale time. <sighs> maybe. I don't know. Like, I guess I'd call Miami. Just be like, yo, you interest you up at all? But the, the defense altogether does bring plenty of reason for, for question marks, especially in that, that defensive backfield. That safety group is not deep. It's competent, but it's not deep. You can look at Jordan Lucas and Armani Watts and, and Dan Sorensen, and then obviously Tyron Matthews, the main starter. I hope one Thornhill starts, but it could be Sorensen in week one. Uh, those guys have played NFL snaps before. That cornerback group gets shallow quickly. I'm not as... I mean, listen, Saran has been consistent on Nick Foles. He's been consistently high on Nick Foles. I continue to be way more skeptical than that. But he is a competent quarter, uh, competent quarterback. And if, if Rashad Fenton ends up out there in that defensive backfield, he's going to pick on him. Blake Bortles was never going to do that. So it's at least, at the very least, worth noting. Thanks again to Nate and Seren for joining us. Thanks to you for listening to our Chiefs season preview show here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Coming up next, Thursday Night Football, Packers and Bears. That's next here on Sports Radio 810. I'm Joshua Briscoe, by the way. Bye, Mom! Follow the Chiefs right here on your home for the NFL playoffs and the Super Bowl. Sports Radio 810. WHB.